Go with me to Psalm 34, please. Psalm 34 and John 14. Psalm 34 and John 14. you didn't bring a Bible, we have extra ones. You can raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And turn to Psalm 34. Great psalm here. A lot of people know it. Have you been reading your psalms and, and you're reading? If not, get hooked up with us. There are bookmarks out in the, uh, uh, for you there. Join in with us. Psalm 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You reckon we ought to do that? His praise would be continually in our mouth. That's all the time. Isn't it? That's all the time saying, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Is it appropriate to do that all the time? Someone says, oh, y'all just got a habit of that. Well, if you don't have that habit, it's better than the one you got. <laughs> and, sir, we ought not just say it mindlessly. But it's right to bless the Lord at all times and for His praise to continually be in our mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. You don't want to brag on yourself. You don't want to brag on your faith. You don't want to brag on what you've done, what you've accomplished. You do want to brag on the Lord. And I mean just brag away. Just be the biggest braggart around when it comes to the Lord. Somebody say, you bragging? You better believe it. I am bragging on the Lord. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's everything. Yes. The humble will hear, hear what? Hear you bragging on the Lord, and they'll be glad. So if somebody hears you bragging on the Lord and they don't like it, Right away, you know they're not humble. <laughs> I reckon they want you to be bragging on them. <laughs> if they love the Lord, they'd jump right in with you and say, Yeah, let me help you brag on Him. Verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Say that out loud. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Glory. If you're here with us, what was it, a couple of years ago? We camped on this for weeks and weeks and weeks. What's the title of that series? 
free from all fear? Yeah, it's out there and it's online. You can download it for free. A lot of detail. We, We stayed on it a long time and got excited about it and got free. But you know, it's an ever-present issue, this fear thing. The world is full of it. Did you know that? And there's things all around you trying to put fear in you. You know, watch about what you listen to and what you watch. Recognize when somebody's trying to convince you to be afraid, when they're trying to put fear in you. I don't care how solid of a reason they think they have, fear is is spiritual contraband for us. We're not supposed to have any of it. It's a very serious thing. And it keeps coming up in me. You know, we've, uh, what is this, three or four times now on Friday nights, we've ministered on it, taught on it, talked about it, about, about fears, not acting on fears, not yielding to fears. And it's still coming up in me. And so we still need to feed our faith on the Word and stir up. I, I know just from, what, just from what little I'm seeing in here, and then I know most of all by what I know in my spirit, millions of believers have all kind of fears. And a lot of believers, bless their heart, they're just full of fear. Just full of fear. Tormented by fear. Paralyzed by fear. No, what did he say? I, I sought the Lord. So whatever it is that you've been fearing about, you can seek the Lord about it. You can get some answers on it. You can get things settled in you. And he did what? He heard me. And what else did he do? He delivered me from all, all. My fears. If you've been delivered from all your fears, how many fears do you have now? How many? If you had even one, then he wouldn't have delivered you from all of them. It would have been all but one. But when he says he delivered you from all your fears, that means you got no fear, no fear. No fears left that make you fear less and fear free. And friend, if you have no fear, you are free. You are free. You are free. There are all kind of people that are not doing things they should be doing. All kind of people that's not in church, afraid they might get too cold. Afraid somebody might hit them on the way over. Afraid of the dark. Afraid of this. Afraid of that. Afraid gas is too high. I might need it for something else. I'm telling you, there's all kind of people that are not doing things they should be doing. Hiding in their house. The Bible said that Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood. And delivered them who through all their lifetime, through the fear of death, were subject to bondage. Fear of death makes you subject to bondage. Keeps you in bondage, like in jail. And Jesus has delivered us. Whether we're enjoying it or not, He bought it. He paid for it. You know, life is short. Why waste it? 
and mess up your stomach and mess up your head by being afraid all the time when you could be fear-free, when you could sleep like a baby. Come on, when you could, when you could go day in and day out. No worries. No worries. No fears. People look at you and go, man, he must not have good sense. He don't even know what's going on. He don't even know what's happening in the world. Look at him. He's, he's just happy. <laughs> he's so simple. He don't even know. <laughs> yeah, but he's enjoying life. How about you? What are you doing by worrying about it? <laughs> How are you changing it? How are you improving the situation? By losing sleep and pacing the floor. Who are you helping? Whose bills are you paying? <laughs> what are you changing by all your worry and all your fear? Yeah. Worry is wrong. Worry is a sin. Worry will age you prematurely. Did you know it? Worry will make you susceptible and subject to diseases and problems and break your system down. One of the reasons the Lord tells us, cast all your cares on me. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry, don't fret, don't have any anxiety about anything. We were not made to handle it. We can't handle worry. Worry breaks us down. Did you hear me now? It's like using a piece of equipment for something it wasn't made for. It can't handle it. Your body can't handle worry. It can't handle fear. That's why we're commanded not to have it. Now go with me over to uh, John, please, the 14th chapter. John 14. John 14. Thank you. John 14 and verse 27. Jesus said, red letters, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Does this mean anything to you? Is, can you take this personally? Is the Word of God, God talking to you, to me? D did He say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you? Did He say it? Do you have His peace? Is it yours? Can you walk in it? Now let's think about what He said. Can you picture Jesus being afraid? Hmm? Can you picture Jesus cowering at home, afraid to go out because of the Pharisees might get him? Or the Sadducees? Or, you know, sometimes demons cried out of people. And uh, can you see him going, saying, I don't want to go over there. That's that madman of Gadara's over there. Uh -uh. No, let's stay over here. <laughs> can you picture Jesus with fear? Being afraid. Said, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, he's God. He is, 
But the Bible said he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. As he walked the earth, he did it just like you and I are doing it. You know, if he didn't, it'd be unfair for him to expect us to follow his example. Because we're not God. And yet he says, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Now, the only way we could believe that is if he did it as a man. And if he would anoint us with the same Holy Spirit he was anointed with, which he has. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of peace. Peace. And Jesus walked in this peace. Can you see him in every situation? In the midst of the storm, he was calm. Walked on the water, glory to God. Before every disease, nothing scared him. Nothing moved him. Every demon, I don't care how they howled, the madman of Gadara had scared everybody in the whole country. Jesus stood right there and spoke to that thing. No fear at all. Come on, glory to God. He knew they're trying to kill him. He'd go right back into their midst. And they're trying to kill him. And he just very coolly and calmly walked right through the crowd. Somebody say, cool, cool. Calm. calm, peace. He walked in this peace. And do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm out of here. <laughs> Isn't he? He's about to go to be with the Father. I'm out of here. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit now and throwing some stuff in, but you know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm going to glory. And there are no crazy people and devils and disease there. Everything's peace. But you are staying here. And you're going to need what I've been walking in. So I'm going to leave you my personal peace that I have walked in all the time I've been here. I'm giving it to you. And it's nothing like the world has. It's my peace. Glory to God. Do you believe it? Somebody say, He gave me His peace. And I have His peace. And I live in His peace. And I walk in His peace. Glory. Should that equate to no fear? Yes. If Jesus was never afraid, because of this peace he walked in, and he'd give us that, that same peace, his peace, then we should be the same way. Like him, never afraid of anything. Nothing. And do you know that's a witness to people round about you? You can holler and quote verses and, and, and carry your Bible to work and every other kind of thing, and it won't make the kind of impression on them that it will when things that terrify other people, they look at you and you're still just as calm. Everybody else is scared and running around and talking and shaking, and you're just peace, peace. That's a witness. I said, that's a witness. And they'll want what you've got because nobody wants to be afraid. Nobody wants to experience that. Now keep reading. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give 
to you. Glory to God. Say it again. I have it. He gave it to me. His peace. And I have it. I live in it. Not as the world giveth give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now this is important. The devil has convinced and deceived millions of Christians that they cannot help but be afraid. It is beyond their control. Millions of Christians, millions of church-going people have all kind of fears in their life, and they think it's beyond their control. They think, well, I don't, I don't want to be afraid, but, you know, it just scares me. I, I try not to think about it, but it, it bothers me. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, I'm scared. And, and, and people then begin to preach. Well, everybody has fears, and we all deal with our fears. And <laughs> not Jesus. He was never afraid. Come on, do you believe it? He was never afraid. And he gave us his own peace that he walked in, fear free. Put that up again. Last phrase of that verse. What did it say? Read it out loud. Let not your heart be troubled. What's the understood subject there? You. You are not to let your heart be troubled. So if your heart is troubled, what happened? You let it get that way. Neither let it be afraid. Let your heart be afraid. Understood subject again is you. You are not to let your heart be afraid. So if your heart gets afraid, how did it get that way? You let it. You let it. Did you have to let it? What did Jesus say to you? You know, a lot of your modern translations are really paraphrases. They're not accurate in some ways. The translators put their own thoughts in there. You've got to watch out for it. And one of the things that they put in that I really don't care for is verses like this and others. They'll say, try not to be afraid. Try. That, you know, try to walk in love. Try to, to not worry. Try. The Lord never told you to try anything. <laughs> Did you hear me now? That would imply he might not know where you could or not. Well, he knows what you can do and what you can't. And when he tells you to do something, it's because he already knew you could do it. He didn't say try not to be afraid. Try not to be troubled. What did he say? Don't let your heart be troubled. What should we say? Yes, sir. Okay. So then is there ever... Uh, an excuse for us being afraid. Is, the, is it ever true that we could say, yeah, but it was, I couldn't help it. It just kind of hit me all at once and I just, it was just too big. It just scared me. Sorry. No, no, listen. This, this is important to know. Nobody can make you afraid. No demon, no person, no thing can put fear in you. Nothing, nobody has the power to do that. No matter how terrible it is. If it gets in you, it's because you let it in you. You let it get in. You let yourself think on it. You let yourself talk about it. 
Friend, the moment you see something is trying to put fear in you, what should you do? Quit talking about it. Quit. Quit. Cut it off. Get away from it. Quit watching it. Why? Because if you sit there and entertain it, you're letting it get in you. You're yielding to it. I don't care if it's your loved ones. I don't care if it's your family. You can't just sit there and let them pour fear in your ear for two hours and be okay. I know sometimes people don't understand, but you need to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've talked enough about that. <laughs> you know, we, we know, we know the sickness is there. We know it's bad. We know it's real. We know that. Let's quit talking about that. Let's talk about the healer. Let's talk about people we know that got healed, right? Let's talk about how faithful God is, how nothing's too hard for Him. Talk about something that's going to put faith in you, not fear. How many know a lot of folk have talked entirely too much about the economy? Night and day, day and night, night and day. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen? Well, for you, it's going to be bad. How do you know? Because I know your fears will come on you. And you're afraid. But for people that won't listen to that and won't feed on it, people say, hey, I know a God that can bring manna out of the sky. I know a God that can bring water out of a rock. I know a God that can bring fresh fruit in, food in by Raven Express. I know a God, right, that can feed you no matter what. I ain't going hungry. I am not. I'm not going to have to beg anybody. If this thing dries up, something else will come out. Right? Glory to God. How many know when the brook dried up, where the prophet was, where the ravens were bringing him food? That might have looked like it was the end. It wasn't the end. He said, I got a widow woman. Who? A widow woman? Who was starving to death? She's going to take care of you. That's kind of like sending you out with nothing, isn't it? God likes faith. I think, you know, the, he delights in faith. It pleases him, doesn't it? It puts a smile on his face when he says, All right, Brooks dried up. Go over here to this town. I got a widow woman there that's going to take good care of you. <laughs> widow woman? He gets there. She's starving to death. I think God's smiling. Go, watch this. <laughs> Look at this. And then when they believe him, he goes, that's right, what's this? Glory to God. And he manifests the provision. It pleases him. When you step out, you reach out, not knowing. It doesn't please him when we pull back and fear. Because when we're afraid, it's because we're not believing him. We're not trusting him. Can anything in and of itself force you to be afraid? Does the devil himself have the power to put fear in you and make you fear? He does not. If Jesus said, don't let your heart be afraid, what does that mean? You got the power. In him, you got his peace. You got his spirit. You got the power not to let it in. Now, it'll come. I said, it'll come. Thoughts will come. 
Feelings will come. They'll try to get on you. They'll try to sit in you. But it's up to you whether you let it get in. I know years ago, uh, this is years before I learned about Brother Hagin's ministry and Copeland's and faith and any of those kind of things, uh, just as a young boy, thank God I had been to Sunday school. I had been taught the 23rd Psalm. And there were some things that were really trying to put me in fear. And uh, I didn't know about being led by the Spirit. I didn't know. But you know the Holy Ghost will lead you the right way when you don't know anything. If you'll just follow Him. I remember standing in a little place and, 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 and fear was trying to come on me about something. And it just came up in me. It's all I knew. But it was enough. Came up in me. I said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will. Fear, no evil. Do you have the power in you to resist feelings of fear and say, No, I'm not letting it in. Now the devil will say, You're already afraid. Look at you. Shaking. Look at you. Hair standing up on the back of your neck. Goosebumps. Knees bumping together. What do you mean? You're already afraid. No, just symptoms of fear. (laughs) I'm not letting it in. See, we've learned to do that where healing is concerned, haven't we? Just because you got symptoms don't mean you have to just lay back and say, yeah, I'm sick. Right? No, in Him you're healed. And you can say it and you can resist that. Same thing true with fear, with all kind of other things. Even though you got fear all over you and feelings and thoughts, you're not to just go, yeah, I'm afraid. It's too late. No, resist it. Say, no, you don't. I will fear no evil. I refuse to fear. Resist it. And you know what will happen? It will leave you. It will flee from you. Go to 1 John, please. 1 John. 4th chapter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 1 John. And four. Now this whole chapter is really good on the subject we're on right now. And let's see how much of it we need to to read. You okay tonight? You in a big hurry? First John four and verse uh You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Do you know you're an overcomer? You know? How could you be an overcomer if you didn't have anything to come over? (laughs) So if there's something in your way, it's just something else to overcome. Right? But you're not an undergoer. You're an overcomer. You have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Glory to God. Now skip down, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God. For God is love. 
You know, we should meditate more on this. It's not knowing, just knowing about God. If you know God, you know love. And if a person that claims they know God, but don't walk in love and don't operate in love, it's just not true. Whether it's me or you, God is love. Did you know the scripture said, if any man thinks he knows anything, was it 1 Corinthians 8? He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of God. You know in heaven and with God, you're not known because of how much you know. Hmm? Did you know that? You're not known in the kingdom of God for how much you know. Did you know you can't impress God with your knowledge? <laughs> are you kidding? It is so pathetic. Some people think they are so smart. It is pitiful. It's pitiful. You know what's bad is to be really dumb and don't know you're dumb. <laughs> think you're smart. <laughs> Do you understand compared to God? The most brilliant mind on the earth is Ned in the first reader. Right? When he says, my little children, it's not a figurative term. It's literally <laughs> true. To, to him, we are little, little children. He loves us, though. I said he loves us. We come up with something we think is earth-shattering. And he goes, oh, that's good, baby, yeah. That's good. Good. It's, it's like a three-year-old holding up what they just colored. <laughs> they think it's a masterpiece. And he goes, yeah, baby, oh, that's pretty. That's, baby, that's pretty. Let me see that. Daddy will put that up here on his throne. And yet, he's looking out over endless galaxies. <laughs> but he loves us. And the thing that makes you known to him will never be how smart you are. It'll be how much you love him. Did you hear it now? If any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know, the Scripture said. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. God knows who loves him, and that matters to him, no matter how dumb you are. <laughs> if you love him, he knows you. Glory to God. Somebody said out loud, I love the Lord with all my heart. I love the Lord. Can you love Him more? Yes. And the more, you, the, the more you love Him and get to know Him, the more He manifests Himself to you. And the more you get to know Him, the more you find out He is love. That's who He is. That's what He is. That's what makes Heaven, heaven is His love. 
His love is the atmosphere of heaven. It's what makes heaven, heaven. Glory to God. And in His love, you know, even on earth, if you, if you taste of a substantial manifestation of His love, you know immediately, this is where I want to be forever. This is where I want to exist. And it is where you will exist forever. For lack of a better phrase, and I'm not saying this is technically correct, but it'll be the air you breathe in heaven. It'll be the light you see by. How many know uh, that place doesn't need the sun? Right? Because the Lamb is the light. The Lamb is love. So at any given day in glory, and you, you go, oh, wow, this light is amazing. What, what are you basking in? Love. <laughs> it's what makes heaven, heaven. Oh, thank God. But I want you to see, before we get through, here in this same chapter, you'll see what makes hell, hell. It said, love is of God. Everyone that loveth, or excuse me, he that loveth not, knows not God, for God is love. Verse 9, in this is manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, if you say, oh, God, you loved me while I was your enemy. You loved me while I had no time for you and didn't care for you. You loved me before I was ever born. You loved me while I ran from you. You loved me while I sinned against you. You loved me while I blasphemed you, while I was your enemy. Oh, thank you, God. I, now I found you, and I love you. I'll do anything for you. He only asked one thing. Love his other children. God, I'll do any. You've done so much for me. What would you, I'll do anything for you. He does ask something of you. Didn't he? It isn't this the commandment? Right? What is it? That you love your brother. You love all the rest of his kids. The way he loves you. That's the pretty ones. The not so pretty ones. The spiritual ones. The carnal ones, right? The mean ones. <laughs> the faithful ones, the unfaithful ones, right? If they're his kids, he loves them, doesn't he? I don't care if they do the meanest, dumbest, stupidest stuff. He loves them, doesn't he? And you better be glad he's merciful because he's the same way with you. <laughs> and me, when we do something dumb, Right? Aren't you glad? He may not care for everything you do, but He still loves you. Right? Can you do the same thing with other people? You don't have to love everything they do, but you can still love them. Still love them. Still care about them. Keep reading. We love Him. He first loved us. And it says, verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. We've seen and testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love. I want you to say that out loud. We have known and believed the love. Say it again. We have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. He keeps saying it, doesn't he? It's so important. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Has he made us like himself? Is the new creation a creation like the master? Yes. Has he now become the firstborn among many brethren? Glory to God. And does he love us even as he loves the Lord Jesus? Does it say that in John? It does. John 17, isn't it? He said, verse, 20, verse 18, excuse me, there is what? There is no fear in love, but perfect love. You might say this, full love, fully developed love, cast out. That's a strong word, throws out, expels fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. The word torment here is the same word used as in referring to hell. Torment. How many remember reading, hell is a place of torment, isn't it? This is the same word. Same word. Fear has torment. What does that tell you? Love is the atmosphere of heaven. How many know what goes with love? Peace. Glory to God. Love and peace and joy. Right? Then what must hell be like? We know it's a place of torment, and here the Bible describes what torments fear. Fear is the atmosphere of hell. It's hard to imagine. People talk about the burning flames. That has to be awful. But that's not all. A place where there is no love. A place where there is no peace. Where there's continuous panic. Terror. That makes hell hell. Doesn't it? To live in constant, in a constantly terrified state. Now that's hell, isn't it? And one reason I bring it up, of course, if you don't know you're saved, you want to fix that tonight. You do not want to go there. You hear people, <clears throat> like Brother Hagin used to say, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. They say, ah, you know. I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to hell. All my buddies will be there. We're going to party down. 
Yeah, you know, that is such stupidity. If these people spent three seconds in that place and you brought them back, when they quit screaming, they'd never say it again. <laughs> as wonderful as heaven is, that's how awful hell is. It wasn't made for men. It was made for the devil and his bunch. But men who reject the Lord are going to wind up with the enemy. They're going to wind up with the one they chose. They chose the enemy. And that fear is what makes it such a place of torment. But the sad thing is that redeemed believers are living with fear and letting it torment them in this life when they don't have to. Now, friend, every one of us has at some time in our life and in our past yielded to fear until something tormented us. I don't have to describe it to you. You've experienced it. So have I. But we ought to know better by now. I said we ought to learn better. We ought to know that Jesus has given us His very own peace. Greater is He that's in us than anything that could be against us in the world. And I don't care what it looks like, what it feels like, and by now we ought to know God's brought us through again and again and again and again, and we ought to know that no matter what comes up, He's going to bring us through again. Right? Well, what if you die? Big whoop de doo <laughs> We're all going to die. You should know that. But for a child of God, it's not a problem. You step out of your body. You go to be with Jesus. You go to glory. Only reason you're scared of it is because you've never done it. <laughs> scared of the unknown. No. Friend, it's a wasted day to worry all day. It's a wasted night of your life, and you don't have that many of them. It's a wasted night to fret and be anxious and let fear chew on you about what might happen or what might not happen. It's torment. You're letting the devil torment you. And he's not your Lord. He's not your boss. He should have nothing to say about your life. You've got a Lord. And your Lord has given you His very own peace. He's never given you any torment. And He never will. Say it out loud. My afraid days are over. I refuse to let hell manifest in my life. Did you know Deuteronomy even talked about people that would obey God and follow Him would have days of heaven. On the earth. You remember that? Can you have days of heaven on the earth? What would a day of heaven on the earth be like? It's a day of love and peace and joy. Isn't it? Well, do you know you can have days of hell on the earth? If you could have days of heaven, why couldn't you have days of hell? What would a day of hell be like? Fear, panic, terror, 
torment, worry, anxiety. That's letting hell's atmosphere manifest in your house. Somebody say no more. No more. No more. And we need to admit now, if we, if terror and fear and panic and worry got in our hearts, how did it get in there? We let it get in. We let ourselves listen to it. We let ourselves watch it. We let ourselves think on it until we got in that shape. So whose fault is it? It's our own fault. Thank God for faith buddies. Thank God for a good church family. Thank God for people that won't just talk fear and unbelief. They'll talk about what's on your vision list. They'll talk about how the thing, no matter what's going on in the world, we're coming up. We're coming up. It's going to get better for us. We're going to have victories. We're going to have testimonies. And the darker it is in the world, that's the brighter the light shines when God moves. The more it stands out. Perfect time to have a miracle. Perfect time. To get delivered, get out of debt, get free, get healed, get promoted. It's the perfect time. Perfect time. You know, there's, you've been reading the Psalms. You've seen it again and again. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'll not be afraid. I won't be afraid of 10,000 round about. thousand may fall here, 10,000, but it won't happen to me. You just hear the keep the recurring theme, I will not fear. I mean, the Lord told them in the Old Covenant, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Don't, be, don't fear them. Don't be afraid. Why? Because whether you win or lose depends on it. Your fears will come on you. But glory to God, your faith will come on you too. <laughs> I said your faith will come on you. That's why I tell you, when you keep standing up here saying, I'm getting my houses, I'm getting my buildings, I'm getting my land, all of my debts are being paid. If you don't quit saying that, it'll come fully to pass in everybody's life that's doing it. Your faith will come on you. It's coming on you. Glory. He said, there is no fear in love. But perfect love, full love, expels, casts out the fear. Uh, go with me over to Mark, please. The fourth chapter. And while you're turning there, let me read this to you. From Deuteronomy 1. Deuteronomy 1, 27. Put that up on the screen for us. You're going to Mark 4. The uh, first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage perished in the wilderness, didn't they? They wandered around out there, a dry, bleak, minimalist existence, and they all died young, prematurely. Didn't enjoy God's plan and will for their life. How many know the Hebrew says the plan was finished from the beginning? For them to, them to go in. Not just their kids, them to go in. Them wandering around out there and dying prematurely was not the plan of God, not the will of God. But did you know why it happened? Fear and unbelief. When they saw the giants, 
They were terrified of them, weren't they? When they saw the walled cities, and they said, we can't do it. They'll kill us all. And how many know, remember, reading about it, every time something came up, they said, we're all going to die out here. Didn't they? We're going, I mean, they run low on food. They said, we're going to starve to death out here. They run out of water. They said, we're going we're gonna, to uh, starve, of, uh, you know, water, starvation out here. We're going to die out here. And then they saw the giants. Well, the giants are going to kill us. We're going to die out here. Does it sound familiar? Do you hear anybody else talking that way? Oh, we ain't going to make it. Oh, man, everything's going under. If you keep saying that, it'll come on you. Eventually, the Lord said to them, as you have said out of your mouth, that's what's going to happen to you. And they did. And it wasn't God's fault. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's plan. It was their fear and unbelief that did them in. But I want you to see something that you might have thought enough about. What was the root cause that they kept on fearing? You know they saw miracles. They saw God deliver them through all that the plagues on Egypt. They saw God bring them through the Red Sea on dry land. They saw God feed them out of the sky and water out of the rock. And still, every time something came up, you know, they said, Oh, we're going to die out here. We're going to die. Just full of fear. And here you see insight into why they were so afraid. He said, you murmured in your tents. And you said, read that out loud. Because the Lord hated us, He brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. What was the root of their fear? They didn't believe God loved them. Oh, can you see this? Do you remember the verse we read in 1 John 4? We have known and what? Believed the love that God has for us. Do you know this is one of the biggest things you'll ever believe in your life? Have you got just a few more minutes with me now? I said, did you know this is one of the greatest things? Are you talking about believing for millions of dollars, believing for a great miracle of healing? No, that's small compared to this. This is one of the biggest things you will ever believe in this life. What? How much God loves you. And everything hinges on it. Everything. How does faith work? It works by love. And one of the biggest parts of it is you knowing that God loves you. You won't love yourself if you don't know how much God loves you. You won't love other people if you don't know how much God loves you and them. And your faith won't work. And because this is the central issue, it's why the devil is continually lying to God's people that God's mad at them. God is upset with you. and God don't really care about you because you've done this and that. Always trying to sow some kind of question that he doesn't really care that much for me right now or he doesn't care. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. It's a paralyzing lie. It did them in, didn't it? 
They said, God hates us. Now, friend, you've heard little ones sometime that hadn't been trained properly say, you know, you hate me, or, or husbands and wives, you, don't, you hate me, or parents and children when they're older, you don't love me. Friend, this is as serious as it gets. To question the love of God is to take yourself, uh, to undermine your own faith and take away your ability to be free from fear. Tell me what expels all your fear. Perfect love. Full love. And that is a full manifestation and revelation of how much God loves you. When you know how much He loves you, your fears go away. And while the fears are there, you're still debating it. You're still not convinced. You think He's just looking at your sin. He's just looking at your mistakes and failures. And you know you don't like you very much, so how could He like you? <laughs> and the devil's got you fooled. He's got you deceived. That's right where He wants you. Questioning God's love. I want you to know. God loved you before you were born. Knowing full well every dumb, stupid, mean, unbelieving, rebellious thing you would ever do. He still loved you and chose you and put your name in the Lamb's book of life. And even while you were messing up, He was saying, they'll get it together. They'll get it. They'll come back. And I'll be here. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Are you in Mark? They said, it's because God hated us. He took us out here. Let us die in the wilderness. Because He hated us. Was it true? One of the biggest lies anybody ever uttered. It was because He loved them. That He brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And here they've become convinced it's because he hated us. He brought us out here to die. So what happened to them? They died because they believed lies. And it cut them off from God's love and provision. Did he still love them while they're wandering around out there for 40 years, dying like flies prematurely? Did God still love them? Yes. Did it grieve him that that's what was happening when he's got already picked out the promised land and already made provision and plans for them to get there? It grieved him. But he can't pervert justice. If a man or woman won't believe him, won't take his word, won't accept what he said, he can't help. Look here in Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter 4, the Bible said about verse 37 here, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. How many of that's not a good situation? <laughs> and Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Doing what? I reckon he's wet. 
Don't seem to be bothering him much. Let's read that again, make sure we're getting this right. What's going on? A great storm of wind. How many know the, the, the Lord does not exaggerate? So what does this mean? This means this was not something you would want to be in. I mean, gale force winds, waves, and Jesus is what? Asleep. Asleep. That's not all. The waves beat into the ship, and the ship is now full. Full of what? <laughs> full of water. And, and still the wind's howling, and the waves are blowing, and the water is up to the top of the ship. Full. And Jesus is asleep. <laughs> Glory to God. How did he do that? He had amazing peace, didn't he? Where's that peace now? Come on, help me out. Where's that peace? He left it. He left it with us. He gave it to us. The same peace. He was laying there sleeping through soggy clothes. And gale force winds, you got that peace. I've got that peace in me if we'll yield to it. If we'll let it dominate our thinking. We can be calm through anything. We can lay our head on the pillow and sleep. Right? Not worry. Notice what happened. They came to him. What did they do? They said, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. They probably wondered, how is he sleeping through this? Jesus, wake up, get up. Now read the next thing. Read the next one. What does it say? What? Carest thou not? What, is, what are they saying? Say it another way. Don't you care? We're all dying out here? Are they full of fear? Yes. Why are they full of fear? Come on, quote the verse. Perfect love casts out fear. Right? All of it. They let this fear in them, didn't they? Jesus proved you didn't have to let it in you. He's there right with them. And there's no fear in Him at all. He's doing this as a man. He, why are they so afraid? It's not because of the storm. It's not because the boat's full of water. If that was all it was, Jesus would be afraid too, but he's not. Why are they afraid? They question his love. They're not convinced. He loves them enough that they've got nothing to worry about. Maybe he might forget them. Maybe he's busy with something else on the other side of the planet and he, you know, there's a lot of human beings scurrying around like ants down here and he might miss a few. <laughs> yeah, and of course, am I all that important, you know? I mean, big deal. He's probably got bigger stuff going on. That's the devil. I said, that's the devil. 
Jesus said, The Father knows the number of the hairs on your head. He knows every detail about you and your life. Why would He keep up with such things? Because He loves you. I said He loves you. I said He loves you. Come on now, He loves you. If you know He loves you, what should you do? You should go, Ah. My Father loves me. No evil can touch me because it would have to come through Him. <laughs> Years ago, uh, before we ever came to Raymond, I, I had a big Doberman. And he was big, hefty. I mean, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to meet him at night in the dark. <laughs> and... Uh, some people come to visit, and, and he was intimidating, man. I and mean, he just, he wouldn't bark. He'd just bite. <laughs> he'd, just, he'd just look at you, and you knew, boy, there's no fear in his eyes. He, of course, he's big enough to do something about it. And uh, uh, more than once, he looked at me with, like, I'll take you on too. And I, <laughs> we had to remind him who's boss. And, um, but he, he came out, and he was intimidated, and a man and his little son, little bitty child son, came, and he, that dog came around, and he saw him, and man, it scared him. Silly. And he hollered, and his daddy said, that's all right, boy. I'm here. And I saw him move around behind, and his dad was a great big guy. He moved around behind daddy's leg. And I saw him just relax. <laughs> and... He asked me, he said, is the dog okay? And I knew by that time he was fine. Kids played with him, you know, once he knew who you were. And I said, yeah, he's okay now. He said, you can pet him if you want to. And he looked up at him and he said, it's fine, I'm here. So he reached around from behind his leg, patted him on the head, and he was fine. And as he was doing that, I saw something. I thought, glory to God. Why is he not afraid? Because he's got one hand on Father. <laughs> and he's, hi he's hiding behind Father's big leg, and he knows if that dog makes any wrong move, Daddy's going to be all over him. Right? And he's going to have to come through Daddy to get to him. And I saw the fear just leave him. Just in childlike simplicity. He's not afraid anymore. He reached around, put his hand on him, rub his head, and can you picture yourself in your father's hand, holding on to him, knowing he's not going to let go. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you. He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. So why should you fear? Why should you be afraid of anything? Said out loud, I called on the Lord. He heard me. He delivered me. From all my fears. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Singers and players come.